This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Hi, I'm Susie Ann, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Normally, we talk to Crane's Chicago business's Dennis Rodkin for our segment, What's That Building? But the housing market is exploding, and Chicago lost a legendary architect over the weekend. So we're pulling him in a little early to talk about both. Hey, Dennis. Hi, Susie. How are you? I'm doing well. Dennis, the housing market is positively booming in most of the U.S., and the Chicago area isn't immune. People really want to move or purchase their first home and want to take advantage of record low mortgage rates. I'm not sure how it is at the very top or bottom of the market, but many middle-class folks are going to showings in the suburbs and arrive to find out there's already an offer on the house. Talk about the trends we're seeing here. Everything is selling fast. Really, at any part of the market I look at, things have speeded up. And what I looked at this week is where they've speeded up the most, where homes are selling the fastest. The average time on market for a home in Chicago, in the city of Chicago, was 91 days in the first quarter of the year. In West Lawn, which is a neighborhood within Chicago, it was 36 days. Homes were selling in an average of 36 days. And there's a little bit of a caveat there. These numbers don't even include homes that never go on the market before selling. There's a lot of pre-marketing and pre-buying because inventory is short and homes are selling so fast. So this 36-day average, West Lawn is the fastest of any neighborhood or any suburb, that 36-day average really only reflects homes that are actually put on the market. Wow. that's That sounds crazy. Um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, it's like you you get you show up and you've got to be ready to take the plunge, it sounds like. Yes, that's true. Uh, I talked to people in West Lawn who had stood in line. Uh, this is happening everywhere. I talked to a real estate agent who listed a home. He got so much traffic that he raised the price. He got so much traffic in the first 48 hours that he raised the price by 10%, and the house sold for more than that. They still got multiple offers, and it went for a total of 18% above the original price. Again, he had jacked it up 10%, and he said he jacked up the price in order to slow down traffic. One of the problems we have in this market is that sellers, their heads are spinning, right? Mm -hmm. I get multiple offers. I've got to decide quickly, and they're offering much more than I'm asking in many cases, and I don't know whether that will appraise. I also may not have already found the house I'm moving to, and my house sold so quickly that now I'm, I'm in trouble. Where will I move? So he tried to slow down traffic, did, and got more money anyway. Wow. Well, what's driving this, this crazy market? 
several things. The primary thing is extremely low interest rates. Though they started to creep back up earlier this year, they're still lower than they've been really in a lifetime. And uh, most of these places on my list of the fastest-moving markets are low- and moderate-priced places where buyers are much more sensitive to how much uh, the interest rate changes affect how much they can buy. If I'm buying in the million to $3 million range, the interest rate doesn't really make a big difference to me. But if I'm buying a $150,000 house or I'm shopping in that range, the changes in interest rates change my affordability quite a bit. So there are quite a few people sort of flushing into the market, turning from renting to buying or moving up from a house that turned out to be too small during the pandemic to something larger, and they're sort of pushed along by these low interest rates. Wow. And and then I think I saw uh, maybe over the, the weekend those interest rates, like on a 30-year fixed, it's less than 3%? Yeah, it crept a little. They were under 3% for much of the latter part of 2020, started to creep, finally edged over 3% in early 2021, and now are back below. But we should keep in mind, they've been in the 3% range for several years. Uh, in the 1970s, your parents were buying houses at 18 and, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, in the 1980s, your parents were buying houses at 17, 18, 19% interest. The fact that we're down below 3 is really remarkable, but it's been true for several years. This is the climate we've been living in for years. Well, Dennis, over the past few years, you know, you've been posting pictures of big suburban homes on Twitter that have lost value over the years, you know, some of them selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars less than what they were bought for in the early 2000s or late 90s. Uh, Has the pandemic reversed that trend? I mean, you talked about some of those examples of uh, the, the huge jump above asking, but what about the larger market? Well, we did see, we saw an enormous shift from buying a big downtown at the upper end of the market, from buying a big downtown penthouse to buying a lakefront home on the North Shore with a beach. And that was because if you have a penthouse, you've got to share an elevator with people and couldn't use the lakefront for much of 2020. If I move to a, a lakefront estate in Lake Forest or Winnetka and get my own private beach, a lot of those things aren't an issue. So we saw a big shift, and we've also seen an enormous shift toward buying in the Bannockburn area. A lot of those I was doing, Susie, for a couple of years. This house sold for its 1990s price and that sort of thing. A lot of those were out in the Barrington area, which has had a massive reversal. Prices aren't quite back up to 2006. Uh, So a lot of people are still selling for less than they paid, but they're not selling for 1990s prices anymore. Yeah. Well, what kind of challenges uh, is this market creating for buyers and sellers that, you know, we might not be thinking of? The biggest challenge right now is to find a house, find a home, because inventory is super low everywhere. It was it hit a, a depth in early 2021. It's starting to come to come back up in part because. I see that my neighbor sold a house, sold their house for a really nice number, and I start to think, well, maybe I'll put mine on the market after all. So the inventory is starting to loosen up, but it's going to be a while because uh, there are not as many homes coming on the market as there are selling, and it's a supply and demand thing. Every, a lot of people want to move, whether it's because of interest rates or because of the pandemic or just because of a change in family structure. I got married, got divorced, whatever it is. And there simply are not enough homes on the market to go around. And in a normal year, you know, a lot of people uh, look to buy a home in the late spring or summer. Is that the same this year over the pandemic? 
You know, what happened is spring of 2020 got pushed into the summer because that was really the, the worst part of the pandemic for, for Chicago and Illinois, got pushed into the summer. And we're still, we have operated as if it's spring since about last May. We had sort of a double spring this year because maybe I, I was uh, planning to buy in spring 2021, and I did, or I'd been planning to buy in spring 2020, and I bought in spring 2021. So we have had a big increase in the number of sales ever since about August, Mm -hmm. and it just keeps going. Now, Dennis, I want to switch gears here to talk about Helmut Jan, the award-winning Chicago architect who died over the weekend. Tell us about who he was and what were some of his biggest projects in our area. Helmut Jan, he practiced in Chicago for over 50 years, for 55 years. He studied in Chicago prior to that. He had been in Chicago since 1966, arrived here as a 26-year-old immigrant from Germany, goes to IIT, where the architecture program is run by another German, Mies van der Rohe, Mm -hmm. and drops out and almost immediately starts to make a splash in architecture. He was working for a firm, a Chicago-based firm, but most of his first projects were in Kansas City and other areas. He starts to show up in Chicago. His big splash, his first big splash in Chicago is 1980 with the Xerox Center on Monroe. It's now called 55 Monroe. It's got this wonderful curved tower that hits the corner. It's, it's like a Miesian building. It's just, you know, rows of windows stacked real high, but it curves around on its corner in such a way that you know it's different from what Chicago had been building before. And from then on, his profile got higher and higher and higher. Uh, everybody knows he built the Thompson Center, which was mm-hmm. men- mentioned earlier. Unfortunately, both his best known and in many cases, his mo- and sometimes his most derided building, because it's it's pretty colorful. It's, mm-hmm. it's a riot of color. It's very 1980s. And people love it. They hate it. Some people do both. They love it and hate it. But he also, I mean, there are so many others. There's the United Terminal uh, at O'Hare, which is a beautiful, very elegant space. There are dorms at IIT mm-hmm. right on State Street that have a beautiful curved top. He built an egg-shaped, uh, well, the, the library, the addition to the library at the University of Chicago is underground. And then there's this egg-shaped swell of glass for the ceiling coming up out of the ground. There's a condo building in Streeterville Mm -hmm. that is also is very beautiful, glass and curved, all these very simple, elegant, refined buildings. But what a lot of people think of is that crazy one, the Thompson Center. (laughs) Well, we've got to wrap up here in just a moment, but I I know that you've got a favorite Helmet Eon building. Tell (laughs) us about it at uh, 120 North LaSalle. I do. I think this is one of the best buildings that people don't really talk about as much. It's right across from City Hall. It's near his Thompson Center, and it's it's a Chicago skyline high-rise. It fits right into the street, but like a lot of his building, it's very colorful. It's striped. It has a round top, and it has this canopy over the front door that adds the work of another important Chicago artist, Roger Brown, in an Icarus and Daedalus Mm -hmm. uh, mosaic. And so you've got all this sort of riot of color and stripes, but it fits right into the Chicago grid. That's my favorite of of all his buildings. Well, folks, got to get down there and check it out. That's Dennis Rodkin of Crane Chicago Business. Dennis, thanks so much. Thanks, Susie. And that's today's Reset. For more conversations about the topics that matter to you most, make sure you're subscribed. And please take one minute to leave us a quick rating and review. Podcast apps like Apple continue to tweak their algorithms. 
and it really helps other people find us. I'm Susie Ahn. Thanks for listening to Reset from WBEZ Chicago. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.